Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. WFLA on iHeartRadio. Now more of the Ryan Gorman Show on News Radio WFLA. Some big news overnight out of Israel. Let's go to the hotline now. Ryan Gorman here with Dana McKay and James Berlander. And bring in ABC News correspondent Jordana Miller, who's live in Jerusalem. Jordana, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to come on the show. Lots to unpack here. And let's start with the two Israeli hostages who have been rescued. That's right. Uh, a lot of joy this morning uh, from the families and really the country over the daring rescue carried out overnight that freed two uh, older male Israeli hostages. Uh, one is 70, one is 70, one is 60 years old. Uh, and essentially the Israelis at about 149 in a joint operation between the army, the police, and the Shin Bet, which is like Israel's version of the FBI. They uh, encircled a building on precise intel. They um, stormed the building, went up to the second floor to a specific apartment uh, and uh, killed three Hamas guards who were uh, protecting, guarding, keeping in captivity. These two Israeli uh, hostages. Uh, We understand that an intense firefight broke out um, that lasted for several minutes, and the uh, commandos threw themselves onto the bodies of the, the hostages to protect them. Uh, and in uh, several minutes, they got them out of the building into uh, an aircraft that took them out of Rafah. Uh, that's where they were being held in southern Gaza, the city where there's so much controversy over Netanyahu's plans to go in. Uh, they underwent uh, initial uh, medical checks, and then they were flown to uh, an Israeli hospital where doctors say uh, they were they are doing pretty well. I mean, they lost a lot of weight, and they're weak, but they are uh, in good condition. The intelligence that Israel must have gotten a hold of to find those hostages in that specific location, I mean, that goes to the work that uh, they're doing to try to locate where the remaining hostages are. Absolutely. I mean, this um, was an operation that took, um, obviously, very, very precise intel, um, which could have been uh, gathered uh, not only from hostages that have been released, but remember, Israel is uh, detaining and questioning many uh, Hamas uh, fighters who either uh, surrender or are taken uh, in, in battles in fights all throughout Gaza, and they may have put together the pieces that way. Um, you know, the, the spokesman for the Israeli army who gave uh, all of us the details and briefing on this operation said, you know, there are operations like this that we are, that the Israelis are considering often and that they have to weigh uh, the chances of survival of the hostages and success of the mission against the, the challenges and complexity of the mission. Uh, in this case, all the Israelis came out alive. 
Uh, there was no one seriously injured among the forces that took it, part in it or the two older hostages. Um, but it has to be said there were a lot of uh, diversionary airstrikes in the area uh, and also the airstrikes that provided cover for the commandos as they left this building. In those airstrikes, uh, somewhere between 50 and 100 uh, Gazans were killed. Um, not necessarily all of them civilians, and we're not exactly sure of the numbers because Hamas hasn't really talked much about what happened last night. Um, so the numbers are a little shaky on exactly how many were killed, but clearly uh, several dozen were killed uh, in this operation, uh, Gazans. We're joined by ABC News correspondent Jordana Miller coming to us live from Jerusalem with news of the rescue of two Israeli hostages. And let's talk about Rafah for a moment because you had President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, they uh, spoke once again uh, the other day talking about the uh, potential operations that could take place in Rafah. And this has become the new inflection point, correct? That's right. I mean, we know from the readouts from the White House, by the way, it's worth noting that the Israeli prime minister did not put out a readout from his call with the uh, with the president um, late Sunday. Um, and, you know, clearly the president, like many uh, around the world and from many aid agencies uh, and Arab allies, everyone is very fearful for the 1.2 million Gazans that are in this area, the Rafah border area. Uh, it is filled with tents. Uh, it's a city that used to have about 300,000 uh, residents. It has now ballooned because so many Gazans have fled from the north uh, and the center of the country to Rafah. And the fear, of course, is that they will get caught up in a massive military campaign by the Israelis and civilian casualties, which have already been very high in this, war would spike uh, to really uh, even higher numbers. So the president uh, saying to the Israeli prime minister that he has to put together a credible plan to evacuate uh, those residents. And the Israeli prime minister has said that is what he is doing. He's ordered his defense uh, officials to put together a plan to evacuate, uh, you know, civilians out of that area before Israel goes in. Where might they go? We don't know specifically, but they're certainly not going to go into the Sinai Desert. They're not going across the Egyptian border. They're going north, uh, perhaps along uh, the northwest, the coast there. There's already one safe area there, Mwazi. It may be extended further north along the coast, um, or it may be along the northeastern quarter. Um, how long will it take? Likely several weeks to move people out. You know, it, will everybody want to move? Probably not. Uh, that's another challenge. Um, it's worth noting, too, though, that the threat of going into Rafa uh, may be a kind of uh, military uh, leverage that Israel's trying to put onto Hamas, hoping maybe they'll actually cut a deal to release the hostages. So, you know, is this uh, a lot of talk and maybe it's not going to happen right away? Um, that may be part of this as well. Jordana Miller, ABC News correspondent live in Jerusalem with the latest. Jordana, really appreciate the time and the update this morning. Thanks so much. Thanks. Talk soon.
Lines every morning. This is the Ryan Gorman Show on News Radio WFLA. Ryan Gorman here with Dana McKay and James Burlander. And now let's go to the hotline and bring in our air travel and market expert, Jay Ratliff. You can find him online at daytradefund.com. That's daytradefund.com. Jay, it's great to talk to you on this Monday morning. First of all, let's get your thoughts on the Super Bowl. What you think? Uh, I was rooting for San Francisco. I was rooting for Brock Purdy. Uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I like the Bengals, the AFC, and I like the Detroit Lions. Neither of those two teams made it. But uh, I think I, it was best described by an article I saw last week that said to the Kansas City Chiefs, congratulations, you're now the uh, New England Patriots, and yeah. we hate you. you know, we, <laughs> we cheered for you on the way up, but if you stay too long, we hate you. But, I mean, you can't deny the talent. I it's never amazing. thought they'd make the AFC championship, and uh, Kansas City pulled it off again. You know, there is a little bit of a difference, at least to me. I never liked those Patriot teams. Of course, I'm a New York Giants fan, so uh, we got the best of Absolutely. them in the two Super Bowls, so that was always fun. But there is something, at least to me, more likable about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I'm not as negative on a team that's dominating like they are as I was when it was the Patriots winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. But the Broncos... Brock Purdy's story really uh, is a great story. I mean, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. Uh, you know, this is somebody who uh, nobody gave a second thought to, and there he is in the Super Bowl. Um, and he was he was like uh, an assassin out there for the first quarter. I, I make that joke because a lot of people were comparing him to uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, the way he looks. Um, but he was, uh, he was holding his own. But I'll tell you, as a Bengals fan, it's tough to root for San Francisco. Bengals only been to two Super Bowls. Three, actually, now. But the first two, San Francisco beat us twice. So it's tough for me to root for anything that has San Francisco on there. But, uh, yeah, their coach is under a lot of heat because he just doesn't seem to be able to uh, – I don't know. I, my, my thought in sports, and I travel with the Detroit Lions, so I was able to see it up close and personal. Ryan, when you've got something that's working like the running game, in sports is basically – I'm going to keep doing it until you stop me. Yeah. Why they came out the second half and abandoned everything that worked for them right. in the first half, I, I – Look, I'm not a football expert, but I was a little confused there. Yeah, no, that, that's been a criticism of them uh, overnight uh, from a lot of uh, NFL pundits and all of that, uh, why they made that decision. Uh, overall, it was a boring first half, but uh, wound up being a pretty good game towards the end. All right, let's get to the markets and the S&P 500 reaching an all-time high on Friday, cracking the 5,000 mark. Um, the markets, they have just continued to go up and up and up and up. How long will that last? Well, you know, it's tough for me to get excited about the S&P 500, and here's why. 96% of the gains this year have been lifted by five companies. Mm. That's it. So when you're thinking, wait a minute, where's everybody else? I mean, why why aren't we seeing 15 or 18% of the companies in the S&P 500 join the party here? And it's because they're not doing that well. And so for me, the idea that when I hear analysts talking about how this type of activity is simply not sustainable, the, the counter argument is, well, why not? I mean, it's been going up for, I mean, we go into last year, it's coming in. I mean, it's obviously sustainable. It keeps happening. But when you recognize why and you see that five stocks, including NVIDIA and a few others, are lifting Apple and, of course, Amazon and others, lifting this up, 
it's only going to be a period of time before they start to cool off a bit. Now, are other companies going to come in and pick up the load? Probably not. So that's why, to me, we talked about that disconnect between Wall Street and Main Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't get excited. Was I pleased to see it? Sure. Anytime we have a new record on Wall Street, I am just doing a Snoopy dance. But I can't get that excited knowing that only five stocks accounted for that 96% of those gains. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And, Ryan, what's going to be very interesting is if it starts to see a pullback, which is going to happen, I don't think it's going to be anything severe. But if it were, what does that do to the Fed with yeah. regards to their think thoughts this year on, on interest rate cuts? I mean, there's, there's a lot of fascinating aspects to what's going to be happening over the next few months. And speaking of the uh, Federal Reserve, I, I've got to play a uh, quick clip here. This was a question posed to one of the players on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this was a question that uh, Justin Watson uh, received. And, and these players got all kinds of different questions uh, leading up to the Super Bowl. Take a listen to the question and his answer. I think towards the later part of this year, maybe Q4, uh, we'll see a rate cut. Obviously, uh, Jerome Powell has continually fought against that. But I think he's just trying to signal the market not to get too hot. <laughs> what do you think about that it. one? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Talking I, about the I Fed. Not, you know, when we, when we have the – well, the, you know, the players, when you talk to them, it's like they get so tired of – of answering the same question over and over and over again. I guarantee you that was probably the only time that that particular <laughs> question was asked. And, look, I love sports and the stock market, so you know I love Yeah, that. Yeah, uh, no Taylor Swift question there. Instead, you got a Jerome Powell question. So, I Well, an informed response, to because, yeah. Ryan, you heard him talking about mid-later of the year, Unlike the people that say that, you know, well, we're going to have at least seven rate cuts. And, and, and I've gone back and looked, and I, I've seen where Jerome Powell said, look, I see where we could maybe do three. And th- that's the only number I've ever seen him throw out for 2024. The possibility of three in his latest was I don't see anything that's going to change that particular line of thought. So where people are coming up with this six, seven, eight, whatever, and I tell you what, if the economy starts to show – some some strength, you're going to see a lot more concern over inflation coming mm-hmm. back. And that's a big concern because, again, if the Fed lets off and flood, inflation blows by us, you talk about problems. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be an issue, and and you know, it, who knows what's going to happen? We certainly don't know any of that, but it, it just to me represents some of the challenges and makes it a much harder decision for the Fed officials than people are giving them credit for because this is not a cut and dry you know, very easy to follow type of, of scenario. They've got a lot of different moving parts they've got to account for. And of course, we got the CPI coming out this week. We've got a lot of things that are going to give us some inflationary insights. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the market responds and what the Fed may comment on. We're joined by our market and air travel expert, Jay Ratliff, right now. You can find him online at daytradefund.com. And Jay, let's switch to a couple of aviation stories. And I have to start with another deadly small plane crash here in Florida. We had the one in Clearwater, a uh, small plane crashing into a mobile home park. Uh, that led to three deaths. And then you had this on Friday afternoon on I-75 in Collier County, a uh, plane crash there. Let me play real quick uh, some of the audio of the air traffic controller and the pilot going back and forth. Okay, uh, Challenger uh, Hopajet 823, lost both engines, emergency. I'm making an emergency landing. Emergency, clear to land runway 23, is that Hopajet 823? Uh, we're clear to land, but we're not going to make the runway. Uh, we've lost both engines. Well, 
a couple things. I want to get your thoughts on on the crash itself, but the pilot's calm demeanor in that moment, really, it's stunning to listen to. Eerie when you know that he was one of the two people killed. Yeah. Um, And he recognizes the severity of the situation. And a lot of times when you have a plane that needs to land on the interstate, if it has power of any kind, they tend to land in the direction of the traffic. They don't want to necessarily land with traffic coming the other way. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, and, and I, I'd, I'd have to look into this more, I believe it was on the northbound side as he was landing southbound. But the thought is when you're landing, if the cars can see you and you have a slightly faster uh, speed than what the cars are going, they'll stop. They'll start to slow down, giving you room to put that airplane down. Now, with a, a plane with no power, Ryan, you've got very few options. Right. And, uh, you know, one one of the stories from two years ago that was my favorite was a pilot that lost power on, on his one engine, or it was failing, and an American Airlines pilot that was flying above him got a hold of the pilot who couldn't reach Miami Air Traffic Control and helped him to land mm. on the runway, telling him the same thing. Keep your speed faster. They'll slow down. You can put it right now. And finally, uh, Dana has a trending story that we want to ask you about. Yes, this story brought to you by Trajan Wealth. Visit them at TrajanWealth.com. So a 63-year-old man died during a flight from Bangkok to Munich after blood started gushing out of his nose and mouth. So, Jay, what happened and how do flight attendants even deal with something like that? It happens, and it's sad when it does. But, yeah. Dana, in this situation, when it's you have a medical situation, you call for any doctors, nurses, EMTs, anybody on the airplane that might be able to assist. And when you have a passenger that has died under those circumstances, normally there'll be an investigation, autopsy, those types of things. A lot of that's dependent on the family unless there's something of a suspicious nature involved. But then the the task is you you have to move the body to a part of the aircraft where hopefully you don't have – You've got room. In other words, if the last four rows of coach are unoccupied, you would put the body in the last seat over towards the uh, the, the window, seat belted in with a blanket over them, just mm-hmm. to try to you know uh, do as best you can to protect. You know, you're just trying to be as 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 you know, I guess as uh, telling as you need to be as far as just compassion to yeah. the person that lost, was that passed away. But you have to make sure that the person is secured in there. And sadly, there have been times the only place available is first class. Mm. And I've seen where they've had to move someone who who died into first class with a blanket. And I've seen them do it with people that were asleep up there to wake up and find what was in first class when they woke up. So it's, uh, you know, the flight doesn't know exactly how to handle it. And, Dana, when you look at the number of people, six, seven, eight million a day that fly, my my surprise is that type of situation doesn't happen more often. It's true. Yeah, really traumatic situation. And his for wife was on the flight with mm. him, so imagine the trauma for yeah. her. Well, yeah, it just yeah. must have been well, an awful and they're, scene. and they're trained. And you also have people on board the airplane that might be counselors and other types of people yeah. that will rush to the rescue uh, normally and try to assist in those types of situations. The, the airplane really comes together in that type of thing. And a lot of times what will happen when the plane lands, they'll have the emergency people come on and allow the – the remains to get off first, or if it's in the back of the airplane, they get all the people off first, and then they'll take care of removing the body. But it's just, it's a sad, sad situation. And because you have limited medical equipment, right. that you can try to respond to a situation like that on board an airplane. Our air travel and market expert, Jay Ratliff, with us every Monday morning. You can find them online at daytradefund.com. Again, go to daytradefund.com. Jay, it's always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on this morning. My pleasure. 
The Ryan Gorman Show on News Radio WFLA. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ryan Gorman Show and find us online at RyanGormanShow.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.